Hello, and welcome to Heart Points, a one-to-one RPG actual play podcast. I am your husband and GM, Zach. I am your wife and player, Diana. And this is The Bloody-Handed Name of Bronze. How are you, my darling? I am doing very well. I'm pretty excited about this game. I th- we picked a theme, and we went hard. <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of did. This is a game that I've had for a long time and should have been on the show a long time ago and it just hasn't this is the bloody handed name of bronze it is a sword and sorcery game by joshua ac newman it is an amazing game for duet play or for like group small group semi gm co-gm gm full play and is just very cool and we decided to do a valentine's day sort of themed episode yes we did we took some uh imagery from saint valentine and some romantic interests and kind of ran with it yes we did we went hard i'm also pulling out my tarot deck just in case i need inspiration in this bloody handed name of bronze is a I don't, what, what what can I say about this game that I haven't said yet? It is a Mesopotamian-esque, Fertile Crescent-esque, Bronze Age game of sword and sorcery. You play as either a name dealer, who is one who can speak the true names of things mm-hmm. and communicate with anything that has a name. Uh, reminds me of uh, Ged in Earthsea but like a wizard, an astrologer, a scholar. Or you can play as a fated hero who is more of a uh, Heracles, Samson-style character. Conan-style character. It's a really cool game. Initially, it was released in these very cool, small booklets uh, that everyone could have at the table and kind of share. It also came out with a Codex edition, which has some really gorgeous fiction in it as well as some expanded rules. We're going to be playing with the Codex Edition rules, which I think the only change that I can tell in the rules is how destiny is used. Yeah. Is all that I've noticed. Which honestly might not come up because that requires me to have an excess of successes. And we all know how I roll. So it might never, ever come up. You're going to do great. Might never be an option. We'll see how this I'm goes. I'm not saying the story won't be good. I'm just saying I'm going to fail a lot. That is what happens. And then for something really mundane, like tripping over a stone, I'll get like a thousand successes. But when <laughs> I go into a fight, it, I won't have any. So my question is, how much experience do you have with like the sword and sorcery genre? Do you have like... Like in playing the sword and sorcery genre? I think just in general. So you're... I, I definitely think I have a lot more experience watching the sword and sorcery genre than I do playing the yeah. sword and sorcery genre. What's that K-drama that strikes me as very sword and sorcery? Vagabond? Is that No. No? Absolutely not. <laughs> Isn't there a really uh, hardcore sword and sorcery K-drama that you've watched? I don't know. I don't know. I- I've watched a lot of dramas. I- you- you're- I don't know. You're going to have to give me more details than possibly sword and sorcery. Because the first thing that comes into my mind is Ashes of Love, which is not a K-drama, and is a wuxia. Yeah, that's not Sword and Sorcery. What not there one that's like 
post-apocalypse swords and like cool stuff. Hold on. You're talking about Arthal Chronicles. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Arthal Chronicles. I can't. I mean, yes. But I was also talking about like Mythica. Oh, yeah. That's what I meant. Mythica feels more like heroic fantasy to me than sword and sorcery. Sword and sorcery is more like in the dirt. Uh, Yeah, magic is a lot more dangerous for and rare, I think, in sword and sorcery. I feel like you were describing Mythica completely. You only watched it the one time. You have to watch it like four or five times like I did to really understand it. But also, but also, when I really got into Mythica, mm-hmm. I got into like, so Utah is a very big film place. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was just a product of the times or what, but around the same time that Mythica came out, a little bit before, a little bit after, a little bit during, they were also coming out with a lot of like dragon movies, like the I don't know if it was just this production company or if it was just Utah at the time, but I, I kind of spread out from Mythica. There was a whole bunch that had to do with like, they're all like D&D. Oh, yeah. Like there was like orcs and dragons and What's that they're all terrible. What's that amazing one where the orcs invade a ex-marine's homestead? Oh, I never actually watched that oh, one. Oh, my God. But it kept coming up as something I should watch. Uh, Yeah, no, the... Yeah, that's a little different to me than... No, but, but like, I've got... It is... It's not the same thing as Sword and Sorcery, but, like, that's probably the closest I've got. Like, yeah. I don't really... I didn't watch Conan growing up. I mean, I watched Hercule, Hercules and Xena. Ooh. But I don't remember watching Hercules and Xena. I just know that I watched Hercules and Xena because I've blocked out everything from my childhood post... Pre-10 years old. I People <laughs> keep telling me about things that happened before I was 10. I'm like, I, don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. I know I watched Xena. I remember the lesbian parts of Xena. Because I remember being like, what is happening? I'm so confused. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Xena is a perfect example of a faded hero in this game. Yeah. In fact, she is listed in uh, in the Codex edition as an example of a faded hero. So that's actually a really good touchstone. We watched uh, The Witcher season one. We have not watched season two. Yeah, is The Witcher sword and sorcery? Yeah, I think The Witcher counts. When we were talking about the... The two player books, we were oh, like, yeah. we were like, well, maybe this kind of is reminding me of, you know, these two characters. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yennefer is very much a name dealer. Geralt is very much a faded hero. Yeah. That's exactly what we're going for. And what I like about this game, other than it has like a very interesting conversational tone, it has like a lot of really cool mechanics about how you're supposed to communicate at the table which i don't know how we're gonna botch we're just gonna botch yeah, it's, it. it yeah it's not good uh we're gonna try not to botch it the, the one which am I, are we allowed to talk about it yeah so there what the rule that i think here is that is most interesting that i know we are going to have a lot of difficulty with and we're going to botch is when any of you speak to another player Remember that any word you speak of the intention or desire of your companion must be a lie or a lie disguised as the truth. If you wish to express the desire of your companion, make it evident in their speech and action. So I love this rule. I'm a big fan of rules that affect how players talk to each other. I think it's super thematic. I think it does a great job of affecting the tone of the table. 
I know this one's going to be difficult just because of the way we play and we do a lot of like workshopping. Yeah. So basically what this is saying is- You have to role play. That's what that's saying. Yes. It's saying you have to role play and I am not good at doing like character voices and talking as my character. I'm good at talking for my character. Well, and I think you can- So so what this is saying is that the player cannot outright state the true intentions or desires of their character. Only the character can do that. Right. They have to role play. Yes. And I'm bad at it. Well, I'm trying to explain the rule for the- listeners yeah but i but that's i'm explaining it you have to role play like you can't you can't do what i do uh i want to go do this like you Mm. can't do that you have to be like in your best Geralt voice i'm gonna go do this that was more of a batman voice that was terrible but like you have to like do it in character and i can't (laughs) i'm gonna do bad i'm gonna try i I think it'll be fine i I, i'm gonna forget though is the problem is i'm gonna forget i mean this rule to me feels like a very important rule for like setting tone and setting table expectations and mm-hmm. setting table play. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not going to break our game right. if we mess it up. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not going to mess up the math or anything. I, this feels more like a very important genre building tool than yeah. it is a like this makes the game work rule. So that's a lot of introduction that we just rambled about for this game. And it's only introduction for the game itself. I haven't introduced my character or anything. Yeah, so let's let's do that. Let's hear about your character. Could you introduce yourself, please? Sure. Now, we talked about this off air, but I can't remember. Am I supposed to tell the listeners my actual name? I think that's up to you. Do you want the listenership to have power over your character? Yes, I will. Okay. okay. So my actual name is Kal Namut. But the name I go by is Kala because true names have power here. So I go by Kala. I have tan brown skin. I'm about 5'3". I would say maybe 5'3 and a half with uh, black brown hair and eyes. And this character looks so different from me. It's so different from me. So very different from me. I have no idea how I will be able to role play the look of this character. That is sarcasm. This is me. It's me. I'm playing Kala. I'm Kala. I am dressed in a very simple – we had to look up Mesopotamian dresses. Mm-hmm. And it is – man, there's a lot of different styles out there. It was hard to pick something. But I went with a very simple dress with some embroidery on the bottom and like a shawl cloak. It's quite long. It goes down to the bottom of my dress, not just like to my butt. That's held on with a very large like girdle belt um, that has matching embroidery to what's on the bottom of my dress. And then I have a headdress because that was that seemed very common in a lot of the illustrations. I have a headdress of coins and it's just two rows because that was, coins seemed to be very popular. So I have just like a headdress of two coins that I wear. Uh, not two coins, two rows of coins that I wear kind of around my hair. And I am descendant of a god. I'm not like a half god, but you know. That half god had some kids, and they had some kids, and they had some kids, and then I came out. Um, and the the god is Puzza. I'm gonna mess this up already. We said it so nicely yesterday. Puzzabar, 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 P A Z A B A R. Yeah, Puzzabar. Puzzabar is the goddess of nighttime wanderers, wanderers, mm-hmm. wanderers. And so that's who I'm like descendant, descended of. Should I go through the rest of it? So. As the name dealer, I am, a name, I am yep. a name dealer. I didn't say that before. So that means that you can communicate with 
anything that has a name. Correct. And you can make deals with those things. Mm -hmm. It also means that you are fleeing from an obligation, a promise that you have previously made. Mm -hmm. From who do you flee? I flee from Ardem Matt, Mott, Ardem Mott, um, the deity of love. And I'm fleeing because I owe them my heart, but I don't know if it's real or if it's Ardem Mott's power. So I don't know where it's originating from, and so I'm running away. And I was able to run away because I have somebody who has been aiding me. Parshu Yat, it's a ring that I have, but in the ring, it's an amber stone with a B in it. And the B is Parshu Yat. And they give me the power or they gave me the power of the din of the hive so that I was able to kind of escape without people really paying attention to me because there was like, it was hard for them to concentrate on what was going on. And they helped me because they want to be reunited with their love who is in the crown of a warlord, Tosh Bob. Bob. Pob. Pob. I knew I was messing something up. Tosh Pob. So there's two bees in gems but mine is in a ring and it's in some emer- is in some amber and i think that's it i think that's all of it yeah i think that's my whole my whole shtick so yeah that sets us up to begin our story are you ready no i'm not ready i have to lie to you i'm not ready <laughs> Kal Namut, who has fled their promise to the deity of love, Ardimat. Where do you find yourself now? I imagine that I am in a... I want to say I'm in like a small... I wouldn't even call it a village. Kind of just like a waypoint on a... Um, like a, a commonly used route. It's like a... St- station town is that what they used to be called Mm -hmm. um or a a stop town or whatever i think i'm just kind of idling between stalls trying to figure out what my next move is is it daytime i think like er, like uh i'm imagining like late morning which to diana means 10 o'clock i don't know what that means to other not early rising people. <laughs> but to Diana, I'm picturing like 10 o'clock. Yeah, that I, I like that. So you are wandering the market stalls of a small town that caters to the caravans that make it their way along the heavy road. You are dipping in between these stalls. How long have you been on the run from Ardimat? I think I've been on the run for a few months now. I want to say maybe even half a year. So I'm still kind of new at it, but I'm not brand new at it. So maybe not half a year. But I've been I've been on the run for a little while now. A couple okay. months. A couple months. You were once someone who enjoyed the benefits of being descended from immortality. Mm-hmm. You were not a princess or royalty, but you held good standing in the city in which you lived. How has that changed in the few months that you have been on the run? 
Like my standing within my old community or like my handling of it? Uh, your handling of it. How, not, how not are you well. doing? Not well. I don't think well. I think I didn't realize when I started running, I don't think I realized how much I depended on the resources that were available to me. Yeah. You know, like when a rich kid goes into the bad side of town for the first time, they're like, oh my God, what? You don't, you have bars on your windows? What's happening? I feel like that's kind of what happened to me. So basically, Kansa Sal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But not as naive. I don't think I was as naive. I think I was just surprised by how, like, I didn't realize how many resources I had, but I knew it was going to be hard. Whereas Kansa Sal, I don't think, realized it was going to be hard. So as you make your way through these stalls, what are you doing? What is your goal or intention? To figure out where I'm going next. Um, I know that I can't run forever, but I'm not ready to do anything else yet. So I have to figure out what my next plan of action is. So I'm I'm literally just stalling for time, basically, in this place and trying to figure out what my next direction is. As you make your way through the brightly colored stalls, there are vendors selling their wares. Members of caravans that are passing through have set up with goods from distant cities Fruits and vegetables and meats are hanging and uh, piled up in crates as they are passed back and forth with the jingling of coin. Other than the people of this town and the caravan travelers, or including them if there's anyone important, who here joins you in this town? Like somebody I knew from before? Anyone who is potentially of note. It could be like just people in, in scenery. Could be background players, could be important pl- players. It's it's totally up to you. Who is here? I think just shoppers. Like, I don't think – I think it is essentially the den of the hive, basically, mm. in people form. Yeah, and I think you feel that uh, a warmth come from your ring finger. What finger do you wear Parshu Yacht on? I wear Parshu Yacht on my middle finger because it's – I think it's pretty big. I think the ring is pretty big. It's like a large, I think you described it as a signet ring. Kind of, yeah. And encased in it is, uh, encased in this ring of yellow honeyed gold is Parshu Yat, the ancient bee who speaks to you and who has aided you in your journey, summoning the din of the hive to shroud you make it difficult for others to notice you. And you feel this warmth coming from Parshu Yat as you make your way through this bustling, busy street where so many people are rubbing shoulders and talking. And there is, like you said, the din of the hive. There is this sense of unity, very similar to a buzzing beehive. You are probably feeling a little dirty, probably feeling a little hungry. Mm -hmm. You came in with the latest caravan who you had kind of slipped in and just kind of traveled along with before coming to this town. What what are you doing? I don't know if I've eaten. Definitely haven't taken a bath. I probably had some like quick bread or something. I think I'm going to try to find a place of small comfort. So like a little cafe where I could sit down and eat like a, I bet they have something like baklava, like like something small and honeyed because that's the theme here. Mm. And baklava is the only dessert I can know, I know by name that has honey in it, which is 
very lacking in my knowledge. But I, I feel like just I'm just looking for somewhere I can take just some small comfort just so I can take a pause and figure out what my next step is. Yeah, you find there is a, a blue tarped little cafe that has awning awning thank you that leans out into the street and there are cushions set out where the street has been swept that people may sit and have uh, tea and little honeyed cakes and you take you're taking a seat yeah i think so you take a seat and a young girl uh, probably around 12 years old runs up to you and she's got like a little bronze plate held out in front of her. And she asks, may I help you, miss? Can I just have a tea and a cake, please? Yes, absolutely. I'll bring that right over. And she runs back to speak with an older woman before returning to you with her with the food. And she goes, uh, uh, she sets it down uh, in front of the cushion before you on a little pedestal and she goes uh that will be too would she ask for money just then probably i watch turkish dramas and they don't <laughs> they don't ask for money until the end that's modern though yeah but i was gonna try to steal it i can't steal it <laughs> if it's still hot and in a little cup uh she's i actually do, we have not talked about this do i have coin probably not yeah I didn't other think than so. the decorative coins on your head yeah i don't think you've probably if you've been traveling for a little while. And I think I escaped, like, in the middle of the night. This wasn't something I, like, could plan. If she's asking for coin now, I'm annoyed. Because that means I just have to take the cake and run. This is not what I wanted. But it is what I'll take. Well, she says, um, she says, that'll be, uh, three copper drachma, please. I plan on staying here for a little while. Can I pay you at the end? Oh, uh, yeah, that'll be fine. She gives a bright little smile and she rushes off to tend to some other customers. I already broke the rule. I told you what I was going to do. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> I did. You immediately, told me what you wanted. immediately broke the rule. <laughs> ah! Okay. But paying at the end, which means I'm going to steal it. I'm going to thieve later. And it says, there's a rule for my thieving. You can only steal something that once you have it, they do not have. They don't have that tea or that cake after I eat it and run away with it. All right. And they don't have my money. So I can, in fact, steal this. Yeah. So I'm going to. But so I sit down and I sip my tea. And I'm eating this cake, which is probably very delicious. Just taking a moment, kind of figuring out what my next move is. I can't stay in this town because this is a town of most people leave. Mm-hmm. It's like a stop station. So if I stayed, it would draw attention from the people who normally stay here. So I have to leave. And I'm just kind of figuring out how I'm going to leave and what my kind of my next plan is. Yes, I'm just sitting down and enjoying my my cake and my tea as I'm thinking about my next move. You sit down and you take a bite of this honeyed cake and you feel that honey kind of cover your tongue in a thick sweetness. You feel warm. You feel full of not just sustenance, but energy of light of life as as you feel this kind of kindness this sereneness this joy kind of wash over you from the source of this sweet honey a bird flits across the street and it lands on the it lands on an awning across the street and you can see with one eye it's 
looking at you. This large gray bird lands in it with its long, bright, honey-colored legs, lands on an awning across the street from you, and it's got these this bright yellow-orange beak and these large, inquisitive eyes, and it is standing there, and you recognize this as a goshawk, uh, a bird that thieves beehives, and it's watching you with one eye kind of inquisitively as you sip from your tea and enjoy your cake. I call the 12-year-old over again, and I say, I'd like another tea, please. Oh, yes. Very well. Gee. As she walks away, I book it into the crowd. All right. Because this bird is following me now, and I'm suspicious of it, and also I was going to have to book it at some point. So, so this is both thieving and escaping. Yes. I think it's probably closer to actually escaping than it is to thieving. Like, I think I'm escaping before I'm thieving. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Sorry, you said you think you're thieving before you're escaping? No, I think I am escaping before I'm thieving. Like, I am running out on the money, but I'm running out. Mm-hmm. And All right. I think I have to make it. I have to escape before I can successfully thieve. Okay, yeah, let's just do the escape. So whenever you roll, you roll for uh, two dice of jet for your self, mm-hmm. right? And then you are rolling dice of gold for the aid of Parshu Yat. Yes, who which, would definitely be aiding me mm-hmm. with like the din of the – the way – we keep saying the din of the hive, but the, the way that it was talked about or the way that we kind of talked about it is that it kind of like – not that it creates confusion, but it creates like a distraction in your head so you're not really paying attention to what I am doing. Like your gaze kind of slips over me because you can't focus on me. It's the idea that there's so much going on that one individual is easily – unnoticed. Yes. Yeah. So can you tell us what Parshuyat's traits are? So Parshuyat is old, beautiful, and mighty. And for those three traits, you get three gold dice. I do. And now you're going to roll all of those dice on the escape. Yes. Five, six. Ugh, and they're all gold. All right, but I do it. I successfully get to pick two things. I pick two consequences. It doesn't say that you get to subvert me, by the way, on two, only on one. Uh, I always get to subvert Boo. whatever is whatever is unchosen. Boo. So you're going to choose two from you get away, you remain unseen, and you seize one destiny. I'm getting away, and I remain unseen. Uns- unseen. Okay. However, I rolled my successes on my gold die, mm-hmm. which means that. Parshu Yat. Parshu Yat gets to make a demand of me. Yeah, may yeah, and they don't have to, right. but it means that if they have the, they can. Yeah, Parshu Yat kind of fills. Uh, you can feel Parshu Yat tapping into the din of this place as he grows it, as he expands it, and he is quite happy with the honey that you've given him. He's happy with the place that he's in. He's happy with the. With the meals that you have chosen, I'm trying to decide if he would, if he has anything to ask of you as you slip out into the street and escape from this poor little girl who was just trying to serve you and make some money for her family. I know. As well as this goshawk, I think Parshuya is 
quite happy. Although he does ask you to remember that you do have a goal in mind, don't you, Kala? Yes, I know. I need to make my way to Tosh Pob. The warlord Tosh Pob has been marching his army probably across the north of the continent, just below where the mighty tribes of the north control their steppes. What direction are you heading in if Tashpab is in the north? And they, and Tashpab is continuing north? Is like marching north or is in the north marching south? I think he is marching across the north, probably eastward. Okay. So get out of my head. That's exactly what I was thinking. So I'm heading northeast to kind of show up somewhere he's going to be before he gets there is okay. kind of my goal. All right. So you're kind of slowly – all right. Yep. I'm like heading in a diagonal, I think, to try and head him off. But obviously I'm not going to do anything. I'm just trying to steal his amulet that might be giving him a lot of power. Uh, I believe it's actually in his crown. It is a crown, not an amulet. Never mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of the direction that I'm heading in. But right now I'm running away from this hawk because I – believe that this hawk is working with Ardumat. Which that's that's at least my fear, is that this hawk is working with Autumn. Is it a hawk? I keep saying a hawk. Yes. This, yeah, that this hawk is working with Autumn Hawk. Adam Mot. I keep forgetting the R and it's messing me up. I'm sorry. Makes me feel like I'm from Boston. So as you make your way back into the crowd, you you feel this gaze kind of slip off of you. What is your goal? I'm breaking the rules. So what I wanted to do mm-hmm. possibly was maybe try to backtrack and follow this hawk, but I don't have a move for that. And also, I think that goes against what I would be doing. I wouldn't try to follow this hawk to gain more information. I would just be running away because that's my goal is to run away, right? Are you breaking the rule or are you lying to me right now? No, no, no I'm breaking the rule. I'm, <laughs> I'm legit. This is me workshopping. I just want to make mm-hmm. sure – like. The name dealer is fleeing, so I would not try to backtrack and find out more information. I would flee. Well, not a- I don't have a move for like backtracking. I have offer what they desire, coerce, thieve, escape. Yeah. So the the I wouldn't you be can, coercing. I just want to gather information from afar. You can do anything. You just only trigger moves mm-hmm. when these happen. Mm-hmm. Also, sometimes bad things might happen if you you know mess up. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Well, then I'm going with my instinct. Um. See, I can't do that. I knew I couldn't do that rule. I can't do it. I can't do it, Zachary. I have to talk through what I'm doing before I do it. I have to. <laughs> I can't do it. Um, all right. So I am going to know. I'm going to try to do this correctly. So Kala is in the crowd, deep in the crowd. She's kind of mumbling to herself. That's what it sort of seems like. But she's actually talking to Parshu Yat. Okay. I think I got that right for the first time. Mm-hmm. She's actually talking to Parsha Yacht, but she's kind of mumbling to herself. And she goes, I think we need to follow this bird to see if it's just a bird. And again, it's kind of like a mumble to herself as what she what she's sort of doing is like fish hooking around. So like I ran away from this cafe and I'm trying to get behind where I think the bird is, but still be far enough away from the cafe where I won't be seen. Parsha Yacht responds... The bird is just a bird, or it is more than a bird. It is of no consequence to you as long as we continue towards my true love. But it is a consequence if I'm being hunted 
and they are this close. We might have to change our plans before we can continue on. You feel like a buzzing in that in your ring. Parshiat says, um, if you are putting your concerns over mine, then we may find ourselves at an impasse, Kala. How do you expect to get to Tashpab if I am captured? I am your best shot. And I need to make sure that I'm not going to be taken over the minute I leave this village. It won't take us long. I won't spend very long. Maybe this is coercion. Am I, coer- am I coercing Parshu Yacht? Yes, I think so. Because you are saying that if you get caught, bad things will happen to them. Yeah. Which I think falls under coercion. Because this is not just, this is not really a threat, but it is a warning mm-hmm. that if, if something bad happens to you, it's gonna bad things are going to happen to mm-hmm. Parshu Yacht. So I, I think this is coercion. Okay. I'm going to roll coercion then. I rolled two strikes, which is two successes, but they are both gold, which means I, I succeed. I get to pick the two things. But if Parsha Yacht wants to demand something of me, they can. So they do as they demand. Uh, they do as I demand or else I may harm them. I'm not going to harm them, but they do what I want them to do. Mm-hmm. And I am not harmed in this exchange. Okay. And the last one is no other is harmed. Parshuyat agrees bemoaningly that you are right, that you are his best shot to return to his true love. And so he disguises you again as you loop around, tracking the back of these tents, making your way through stone and uh, clay walls to try to get back to where this goshawk was. And you do. You get you you get to this uh this stall and you can see like right above you at this point on the awning you can see the goshawk's claws you are underneath it now and it's kind of just looking around obviously having lost you and appears as if it's looking for something Mm -hmm. do remember that you can speak to anything yeah i was thinking about that my worry is that if i talk to it it's just gonna blow up in my face i think i'm gonna sit still for just a little but if they don't move, make a move in like five minutes, then I'm going to try to talk. Never mind anything I just said to you. Okay. So Kala waits silently, just observing the bird for a few minutes. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. <laughs> Does the bird do anything in those few minutes? Because that changes what Kala will do. After a few moments, you hear the bird call out in the language of names I don't know this bird's name, though, so will I be able to understand it? Yes. Okay. And you can hear the shriek of the goshawk that anyone listening might hear. But beneath it, in the language of names, you hear, Kalnamut, Kalnamut, where have you gone, Kalnamut? Do I recognize the voice? No, it is the name of this goshawk, or is is the voice of this goshawk. All right, I respond. And I just, yes. You see the bird's head peek down underneath the awning. Like, just suddenly the bird's head appears, and it kind of turns curiously. Uh, and then it hops down from the awning to meet you. As it's hopping down, I turn my ring inward. So, like, I've spin, spun it around so that the um, the amber is in my palm instead of on the outside. Mm-hmm. 
Not that it'll make a big difference, but I think if I have to protect Prashiat, that'll that's a little layer. The bird says, Kalnamut, Kalnamut, your true love is looking for you. They have sent me to find you and to bring you home. The sweet taste of honey has brought me to you, and I will bring you back to your true love. Might offer them what they desire. Can I do that with this character or do it? You can do it with anyone. Okay. Come, Kalnamut. You have traveled long and far, and now it is time to rest your head in the lap of your love. It is not yet time for me to return. Tell Ardumat I am not yet ready to return. However, if they give me four more months, I will return gladly and voluntarily. I am trying to offer them what they desire. Unfortunately, Kalnamut, I cannot return without you. And he kind of ruffles his feathers and he goes, come, come with me. Let us return together. I will guide you and aid you and keep you safe as you return on your way. Unfortunately, I am not able to return right now. So either I return in four months on my own volition or I return never. You may tell your master that. And then I'm going to escape. You start running. I start running. I vividly described what I did. The you... one who knows the will tells me what action I have taken. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So I attempted offer them what they desire, which could still be my move. And I am also attempting escape. Well- But you may decide, the one who knows the will, what I do. So the reason I didn't trigger offer to fulfill their desire mm-hmm. was because you were trying to fulfill Arden Mott's desire. Right. I also don't think that you were you didn't coerce them, this hawk right. specifically. So I think if you know your conversation wasn't going where you wanted, you you tried to run away. Book it. All right. Okay. Oh my gosh! Please be successful. I got two, three successes. Ooh, I get a I get a thingy. You get a destiny. A I get point a destiny. Of destiny, and you get to choose two uh, from the escape. Um, I get away, and my escape goes unwitnessed. Because the third one is you get one destiny, but I get a destiny anyway. So it's unwitnessed, and I successfully do it. I'm real good at hiding. Yep. You flee the goshawk, and you... Oh, wait. But two of those were Parshu Yacht, right? They were, yes. Two of them were Parshu Yacht. So far, all of my successes have been because of Parshu Yacht. Parshu Yacht speaks up again, louder this time, and says, um, Enough of this foolishness, Kala. We go north now. Your love is closing in on us, and I will not wait any longer and risk you getting caught. You will take me to my true love immediately. You're right. I agree. We will head out as soon as we can. We just need to find the appropriate method, which I'm thinking would just be a caravan heading north. But if the war is happening in the north, there probably isn't a caravan Mm -hmm. heading north. Except for maybe, like, supplies. No more waiting on your planning. No more waiting on your guidance. We go now. We can't go now. We will absolutely be seen. We need some sort of cover. We just need to make it to the caravans. Someone will be supplying. Someone will be taking supplies to the north. We will hitchhike with them. I think you were going to roll to coerce. But you're not going to get Parshu Yacht's bonus here. You're only rolling your dice of jet. Okay. It's going to go terribly. Okay. 
Oh, I failed. Parshiyat says, you will leave the city tonight or you will not receive my blessing for the rest of the day. You will, le- you will leave the city now or you will not receive my blessing for the rest of the day. You want to leave the city now? We'll leave the city now. And you'll see what a terrible idea this is. And I like stubbornly head straight up in complete opposition of the crowd, start walking towards the north, just straight north. You head out of the city and into the sandy plains that surround it. The sun reaches its zenith and is beating down on you. And eventually you make camp. What do you use for your bedding? Nothing, because I've been with caravans. I have nothing, which I say to Parshu Yat. I say that. I go, well, now I have nothing to sleep on, which means I will be uncomfortable and you will be uncomfortable because I was not able to join a caravan because you demanded I go north immediately. So here we are on the uncomfortable ground. Congratulations. And I like take my cloak as much as I can and like sort of pillow it up. As much as I can. Mm -hmm. The night grows cold and the stars begin to shine small pinholes into the ether where you can see the waters of heaven dripping through, shining like gems. And you hear something moving in the darkness coming towards you. Does it sound like wings or does it sound like it's on the ground? It sounds like uh, heavy footsteps. I immediately shoot up into a standing position, like I'm going to hit somebody, but there's no way I'm going to hit anybody. And emerging from the reeds is a hyena. Her ear torn, a scar across her face, drool thickly pooling from her jowls. Immediately, I try to talk to her, mm-hmm. and I I give her the name Hyena. It's not a great name, but it's the name I give her because I can recognize that she's a hyena. Um, Some people name their dogs dog. <laughs> uh, she, I mean, she might have a name already. She probably has a name. You can name her Hyena if you want, but she probably has a name. Yeah, she, uh, I mean- Like, can I understand her before? Yeah. Because otherwise, how will I know her name? I thought I had to give, I, ha- I thought I had to know their name before I could understand them. No, no, you can you can understand anything that has a name. Ah, understood. Well, then I don't name her, because I'm sure she does have a name. I say, oh, hello? It's not a great answer, but it's all I got. I got to start somewhere, so. Hello, sister. What brings you out to the plains so late? I'm on a mission, and I wasn't able to join my party as they were leaving. You are on your lonesome then, sister. I wouldn't say that. And her eye shines like the weak left eye of the moon. I do not smell anyone with you, sister. You don't smell other humans with me. That is correct. And what are you doing tonight? I am looking for a meal. I am quite hungry. Then might I suggest going closer to the village? There is more food there. And there are men with swords there. And there are men with swords here. She looks at the grasses. I run. I don't have any other 
superpower. You do. You can literally make a deal with literally I'm anything. Bad at that. Okay. All right. Including this hyena. <laughs> That's the offer them what they desire. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't run. It's a terrible idea to run away from something that's like seven feet long. Hyenas are giant. No one. Rem- they're ex- big. And extremely fast. Yes. They're very large. I'm not running from this thing. You can. So you have this list know, of named I ones know. who aid me. You can add literally But that's anything. only if she wants to aid me. If she doesn't want to aid me and wants to eat me, I can't do anything about that. I can't do anything about that. So she looks. She looks around because I lied. What did she say? Because I said I ran and I cut you off. (laughs) I'm looking for a meal. What if I help you find a meal? Obviously, that meal not being me. If you are willing to stand guard for me tonight, I will help you find a meal in the morning. Mm, But I am hungry now, sister. Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't have any food now. But if you guard me for tonight, I can help you find a feast in the morning. What kind of feast? At least one hawk. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Okay. I have had hawk, and they are scrawny and tough. And I have had men, and they are thick and juicy. I would have rather have you tonight, I think, than a hawk in the morning, sister. Understood. However, I am not a man, and I can... Most assuredly tell you I am not thick and juicy. So what can I offer you that is not eating me? I think one of the in fiction things is that they have secrets that they want to share. And I think she probably is interested in the fact that you can speak to her. I think she looks around and actually I'll say one thing that you realize is that she's talking about how you are alone. She is alone. Mm Mm-hmm. There are no other hyenas around. You see no glowing eyes in the fields. You see no, you hear no sounds of footsteps. Are hyenas pack animals? I yes. Should know th- I should know this by this point. Yeah, you should. I should, but I've forgotten. Okay, so they are pack animals, so this is weird. Okay, go. She is all alone, and you can tell she's all alone. Mm-hmm. I think you also realize at this point that she has a slight limp to one of her Pause. If you are willing, we could use a travel companion. I could use some practice in healing. And I could also help you find food. If you are willing to travel with us and help guard me while I sleep. And obviously I'll guard you while you sleep. All right. Roll to offer to fulfill their desire. Success. Okay, I pick two. All right. It's mixed between me and Parsha Yacht. But I get to pick two. They agree to do as you ask in exchange, and their agreement endures. The one you didn't choose is they demand no more than you offered, right? Mm-hmm. She looks at you and she goes, "Um, one human is a sad excuse for a pack, though... I am not in much of a place to ask for otherwise. I am intrigued by your offer, but if I am to join you, I would know your true name. If you tell me your true name, I will tell you mine. I am Hubabkin. Hubabkin. 
I am Cal Namut. It is very nice to meet you, Cal Namut. And it is very nice to meet you, Habububkin. <laughs> how did you spell it? Because how I wrote it was how I thought I was going to say it out loud. And then H H U B A B. Oh, B A B. Kin K I N. Habubkin. Hubobkin. Hubobkin. This is a sorry excuse for a pack we may be. And she walks up to you, and you hear her stomach growl, but she walks up to you with a limp, and she kind of sits on her haunches. She goes, um, Kalnamut, you promise to keep me well fed? I do. Do you promise to not eat me and guard me while I sleep? As long as you provide me with good meals and company, then we are a pack. Wonderful. And I think she kind of curls up next to you and you smell her kind of sweetly rancid, musty fur as she lies down and with one eye open looks out over the plain. Is she old, beautiful, big, known to all, mighty, in- inscribed? Uh, she's just big. Okie dokie. Yeah, she's just big. She's big. Well, she's big, and I've got opposable thumbs, so we can come up with some sort of trap, probably, to feed this hyena. To defeat the hyena? To feed. Oh, to feed feed the hyena. The hyena. (laughs) Well, I think she curls up to and kind of lies down and keeps watch. What do you do? What time of night do you think this is? Mm, Very late. Like, I don't know, 3 a.m. It's the dead of night. Did I fall asleep when the... When dark happened, mm-hmm. I've probably had a decent amount of sleep. I start working on traps. You said to work, you like you're setting yeah. to work. You're not sleeping the rest of the night. No, there's no way I'm going back to sleep. I don't 100 percent trust her yet. I know we made this deal, but I don't 100 percent trust her yet. So I start working on some simple traps, nothing crazy, but some simple traps, maybe to catch some mice, some appetizers for her in the morn. Okay, maybe a rabbit. I don't know. Do are they out in the desert? We said this was sandy. Snakes. I don't know what animals live in the sand. So I'm I'm trying to catch creatures that live in the sand. Okay. You set out to make traps as Parshu Yat speaks to you about allegiances you're making and promises you're making. And if you are really, uh, if you really have Parshu Yat's best intentions in mind, he's a little sullen. He's a little sulking as you set about setting up these traps over the night and the hyena rests in that spot as you set up these snares and set up traps and by the morning you return as the honeyed sun rises over the horizon with a basket of snakes and a rabbit that you've caught in your snares and you share them with your new pack mate. Do you eat any yourself? I feel like I would have saved some of the rabbit to cook because I, again, have nothing, stupid bee. And you have formed, you've added another person to your trek, to your makeshift, confused little family as you flee your beloved in search of your bee's love. Beloved with an asterisk. Beloved. Ha!
but yeah, that was a that was a little sampler of Bloody Hand and Name of Browns. Yeah. What'd you think? I liked it, and I'll be honest, this is probably the best way for me to play something like the name dealer. I'm not super comfortable. Like, that's why I kept trying to run away and stuff. Like, I don't always remember that I can do these magical things. <laughs> I, like, forget that I can do magical things. So I don't often play magical characters. So this is this was, like, a good taste on, like, test of playing magical characters and a reminder of how I'm bad at them. Because I forget that I can do magic things. Yeah, and I, I apologize if I tried to force anything. No. I just didn't want you to feel like you had to keep running from everything. Yeah. I'm but I just magic. I'm just not I'm just not good at I'm just not good at remembering that I can do magic. It's mm-hmm. all it is. When I the only video game I've ever played from start to finish was Kingdom Hearts and I picked the magic sword or whatever in the beginning and I just beat the crap out of everybody the whole time I played the game. Like I I had magic and I still just hit people. Like I'm just I'm I don't I can't ever I like can't get it through my head that I have magic and can do magic things. So it was nice to have those reminders. This is a good game. This is fun. And it it's not as hard as I think I made it seem. <laughs> I didn't I didn't think you seen you made it seem hard. It was pretty yeah. straightforward. I think, I think it so. was was really strong. The um the codex version is absolutely beautiful. The artwork is fantastic. And yeah, it's a really wonderful game, especially for duet or GM full play. Uh I highly recommend you check it out. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. That is it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Bloody Handed Name of Bronze is designed by Joshua A.C. Newman. You can find more at patreon.com forward slash Joshua and glyphpress.com. We want to thank Zach B., our editor and producer, without whom the show would not get made. We also want to thank In Love with a Ghost for the use of their song, Chilling at Nemo's Place, off of the album Healing. Please make sure to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It means a lot to us, and it helps other people to find us. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HeartPointsPod. Please follow us and join us for discussion about RPGs and podcasts, and make sure to share us with everyone you know, especially your RPG-loving friends. Thank you so much to our patrons whose support keeps the show going. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at patreon.com forward slash heartpointspod. You can directly support the show and help us to maintain and better it every week, while getting cool rewards like access to our patron-only Discord, a monthly bonus pod, and other thanks. Every dollar makes a huge difference. This episode was sponsored by patrons Priest Pulse and Stephen Hessen. Stephen is the ancient god known as the devoted soul of the healer, whose shrine is adorned in tattered flags. Thank you so much for your support, Priest Pulse and Stephen. And thank all of you again for joining us in our adventure today. We hope that as you return back to the real world, you continue to have a very nice day. But like, a very, very nice one. (laughs) 